0: Welcome to another episode of the Double Coma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. I have had a lot of conversations with first time home buyers making assumptions that aren't correct. So that's what we're talking about today. I am busting eight home buying myths. That's it. That's all I'm talking about. So I wanted to start with the most obvious one. Can you guess it? Buyers think they need to put 20% down. That is one of our most common conversations. I need to save up more for a down payment. I'm not ready yet. I can't possibly afford something without putting 20% down. So who knows where that even first started? I'd tell you back in the day of savings and loan banks or back from the depressionary area, but there's no specific point in time where 20% down was an all-time required. So why is it thought to be true today? Well, one could guess that it hovers around the fact that you have mortgage insurance if you put less than 20% down, and you do, typically, although you can do one-time prepaid mortgage insurance or even split Where you pay part of it up front and then part of it monthly. You can use seller credit to pay off the mortgage insurance. Now given today's market, I wouldn't prepay mortgage insurance because it's rather likely that you'll end up refinancing this loan before the mortgage insurance would have run out. So you don't want to prepay something you never would pay fully anyway so 20 percent down not required did you know as a first-time home buyer you can put as little as three percent down with a conventional loan zero down if you're a veteran or eligible for va benefits or buy a rural home with usda you can also put very little down zero to a thousand dollars down if you use down payment assistance you can actually use multiple down payment assistances stacked on one another Many people don't realize the opportunities and the fact that they've risen income limits to the down payment assistance programs. Here's another secret. If you put less than 20% down, you might actually get a better interest rate. In protecting the lender's position, they actually have less risk, so they'll give you a slightly better interest rate. So certainly something that if you're super rate sensitive, you might want to look at that with your lender. So here's number two. It is cheaper to rent than buy. Because it kind of is. I mean, rents have been going up for the last two years, and they continue to go up. In fact, the rent in the Denver market... And the Colorado market was up 5%. In the Denver specific market, it was closer to 4% year over year this last month. It's slowing down because remember, it was much higher than that in 2021 and even the beginning of 2022. So rent is slowing down just like home price appreciation. So you might be saying now, well, they're not raising my rent as much. I'm just going to stay put because it's cheaper to rent than buy. And on the onset, it is for a moment. And especially if I look at the money that I have to save up for the down payment and closing costs to purchase. But here's the flip side of that. Long term, I get nothing for it. If I rent somewhere for five years, I'd be lucky to get my security deposit back. If I own a home and put as little as 5% down on a median price home, and I've run the numbers with a standard historical average of appreciation of 3.6%, and at today's interest rates, I could be worth $150,000 in net equity from principal reduction and possible appreciation, even if we see a slowdown in appreciation through 2022 and 2023, The historical average will bounce back into position, giving us the ability to gain that equity long-term. Long-term, owning is better because of that opportunity for net equity gain through principal reduction and appreciation. And it gives you the opportunity to charge rent, whether it's the auxiliary dwelling unit in the backyard, it's room rentals, it's basement rentals, it's garage rentals, any number of things. I could go on and on and on. Make sure to sign up for our next Building Investment Empire if you want to hear more about investing in this kind of market right now. Number three, it is cheaper to buy a fixer-upper. I get it. As a first-time home buyer today, home prices have gone up. So it feels like I've got to get a deal, get into something that needs work and needs help, and then I'm going to turn around and fix it up. And it could be. I'm going to talk in a separate video about the differences between our fix and flip loan and our renovation financing that we now offer at the Ruth team. But that's a separate video. Today, I just want to talk about the fact that you really have to know what you're doing and know what the numbers are in order to do a renovation loan or a fix and flip loan and make it work for you. Because you're probably going to pay a contractor, you're probably going to pay for supplies you didn't even know you would need yet, and you could end up having scope creep, and ultimately the cost to renovate a home could add up and put you exactly at the same place or higher than purchasing a home that's already done. Especially if it's already done from a builder or contractor who already has all of their workers in place and is able to go from job to job to job and take advantage of efficiencies. I'm not saying don't buy a fixer-upper. I'm saying do your homework first. It's not necessarily cheaper to buy a fixer-upper, even though HDTV wants to make it sexy and sound like it is. All right, number four. You need to be debt-free before you purchase a home. That's a big one, especially as I know a lot of people are carrying student loan debt. At least, at least that student loan debt that's not being uh, forgiven, right? Depending on how that rolls out. So we all have a lot of debt. We all know that, especially right now. We're seeing credit card debt increase as consumer spending is continuing post this period of time in 2020, 2021, where we had a lot of liquidity, where we had the stock market gains, where everybody was feeling wealthier and taking that and spending that money, people are still spending after the money's running out and putting it on their credit cards. Credit card debt is a real thing and needs to be taken into account when purchasing a home. But as a lender, I don't look at your debt. I look at your monthly payments, so say you have $10,000 on a credit card, if your monthly payment on that $10,000 is $250 a month minimum payment, and maybe you pay $1,000 a month because you want to knock it out, I love that you do that, that's responsible financing. But if the minimum payment is 250, that's the number that I'm gonna use against your income to determine your debt to income ratio. I'm looking at your monthly numbers, your monthly credit card minimums, your monthly student loans. Maybe you have an IBR, an income-based repayment plan, which drops your payment required on those student loans. Or maybe you just bought a car, but it's on a seven-year loan, and that payment is $550. Well, you might pay 1000 or 750 or 1500 towards your debt. I'm not going to count that and I'm not going to count the balance of the debt. I'm simply going to count this new house payment plus the monthly payments on the other debts combined together and divided into your monthly income, your gross income if you're W-2, your net income if you're self-employed. That is what's going to determine if you can afford this home. And interesting fact, if you go and pay off a bunch of liabilities, especially long held liabilities like student loans and car loans, then immediately upon paying off that debt, you've knocked off a quadrant of your, the debt score algorithm, which then could actually lower your credit score and give you a higher interest rate on your mortgage. So you wanna make sure you talk to a lender before you start changing your financial picture. All right, number five. I'm gonna combine number five and number six. All lenders are the same. That's number five, and that is a myth. Number six, you should go with the lowest rate. So I'm gonna combine those together because from my perspective, a good lender isn't selling you rate. A good lender is educating, advising, and structuring a solution that's not only good for today, but creates your financial wealth through real estate for years to come, right? We know that in this economy, the market's shifting. We know that in this economy, we could see interest rates drop, whether it's the middle of next year if we head into a recession at the second half, or if it even gets pushed along because the Fed changes direction and maybe it happens in 2024. I fully believe that it's going to happen in late spring, summertime of 2023, but there are different opinions in that. And trying to assess what's the best solution for you today so that you can structure yourself safely to not only overcome the challenges that might occur in 2023 and 2024, but to also put yourself in a position where you don't pay too much upfront knowing that you're probably gonna refinance, or determining what the full picture of that home will be for you. Will that home be turned into a rental? Would you be moving your parents into that home for long-term care for them, to get them closer to you? Can you rent out the basement? Is there another structure for that home? Is this home something that long-term you're gonna scrape and build a new home on? I mean, there are so many conversations that we have with our clients that shopping for the lowest interest rate, albeit I do understand the need to get the best financial picture, is short sighted because the lowest interest rate alone could be on the very wrong program or a lender could be showing the lowest interest rate with the highest costs to procure that rate. So what does it cost to buy that low interest rate? If I, have a, if I go to market and show you an interest rate of 5.75 or 6%, but it costs two or three points to get there, is it worth it in this market? Or what about looking at 15 years or 30 years or ARMS or down payment assistance, which has higher interest rates, but gives you free money that I can then refinance out of? I mean, there are so many strategies that we want to use in this market, including seller credits and 3-2-1 buy-downs. Right. How do we optimize the programs that are available today to get you into the best home with the most efficient payment? I don't want to say the cheapest payment, but the most efficient payment that matches your budget, that puts you into a strategy that you, then you could take advantage of any shifts in the market next year or 2024. Super important. All lenders are not the same. All lenders ultimately don't care about your financial success. And ultimately, the lowest rate could be partnered with the absolute worst program. Number seven, spring is the best time to buy. So traditionally, there have been a lot of sellers coming out in spring. And why is that? Sellers are traditionally buyers, which is part of the problem that we're seeing in inventory right now As new listings have been held back. It's because those sellers don't feel good about their chances to buy again. Sellers just don't sell and turn to renting. That's why spring is ultimately, typically the best time to buy because more sellers come to market, those sellers wanting to turn around and find the opportunity or the home to purchase, to put their kids in school or get themselves settled during the summertime to take advantage of being placed and settled by fall. That same reasoning, though, creates additional competition. If more sellers come out and sellers are traditionally buyers, that means that not only do you have first time home buyers, whether it's they're graduating from college, they're moving into a new job, any kind of situation where buyers are waiting until spring because historically sellers are waiting until spring. So sellers come out. I want to take advantage of more inventory. So as a buyer, I'm going to wait till spring. Those sellers also become buyers. And now I have more competition for the same number of homes. Now let's think about 2023 specifically, because if we see interest rates drop, we're going to see even more buyers come out who are pent up demand, whether it was from 2020, 2021, because they couldn't get in because of the multiple bidding and the high over asking. Or from 2022, they didn't get in because now they started to have fear around this recession and high home prices and whether or not the housing market was going to pop and the bubble explode and home prices were going to drop and all the things. Right. So it moved from an inability to get in to a fear to get in. And now in 2023, if rates drop, they're all going to say now's the time to get in. So not only is spring additional competition because you have sellers who are becoming buyers, but now you also have additional competitions is simply because of the economy that we're coming out of and then moving into. So what I would tell you is the off seasons are the best seasons for buyers looking for deals. If you're looking for an opportunity for a seller to do all of the inspection items on the inspection report, to pay for a 3-2-1 or 2-1 buy-down to drop your interest rate, knowing that you'll refinance next year more than likely, right? Not absolutely, but more than likely. Now is the best time to get that price reduction, to get the seller credit, to get the inspection items, because sellers who are on the market right now really do want to sell their homes. They're not on the market just to dip their toe in to see what they can get, They know what they have in front of them. They have a buyer pool who's looking for deals. They're looking to be on the market to sell. So as a buyer, you can take advantage of off seasons. And you should, because when the market turns, you can take advantage of that with a refinance. Which is, side note, also why I love the 2-1 and the 3-2-1 buy-down over arms. Because as much as I think interest rates are going to drop into the mid fives, middle of next year, my crystal ball is as fuzzy as yours. So if it doesn't, being locked into a 30 year fix with a a temporary buy down is a strategy that produces extremely profitable from a monthly budget perspective results for a buyer today with long term security that there is no downside risk to. All right, that was number seven. Number eight, our final one, number eight, you should find a home before applying for a loan because let's face it, the home is sexy and the loan is not. I get that. My job is not the better half. My better half is out there showing you homes. And a lot of homes today and a lot of buyers today are online. So if you're looking online and you're just browsing, people don't start browsing unless they're really interested. And as soon as you start browsing, you're gonna start seeing those homes that are going to start being appealing. It's the same way that when you buy a white car, all you see are white cars. So you're gonna start seeing those homes. That are starting to be more appealing based on your growing family or maybe you're downsizing or maybe you want to move into a, a different neighborhood in a better school district or have a backyard that opens to an open space or any number of things, you're going to start flipping through the homes and you're going to land on one that you really, really like. And then you're going to talk to a lender. And then it's going to take you a week to gather your documents because you didn't realize that you're self-employed and your CPA either didn't file your taxes or didn't hand you back your taxes. So you have to get back in touch with your CPA. You've got to get a verification of employment. Your employer is on vacation. He won't get back for a week to verify what your income is. I mean, we're trying to get the documents. You have to go to your investment advisor to get the investment statements, whatever that is. I would say that the majority of documents are easily accessible to a buyer online these days. But what if it's not? You could waste time trying to get pre-approved looking at that home and watching it go under contract. Or what if we find out we have to do something? Maybe we have to do credit repair or maybe we need that next year's tax returns in order to qualify you for more or maybe simply you don't qualify for that price. These are things you don't want to find out after you fall in love with the perfect home. So that's why that's a myth. You want to get pre-approved with the Ruth team before going out and shopping for a home because not only are we going to get you the best rate we possibly can, but most importantly, we're going to put you into a loan program and into a position that financially secures your success, not just for today, but for years to come. Well, that's it for today. Nicole Ruth with the Ruth team. I hope you guys are having a fantastic Tuesday and I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at TheDoubleCommaClub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit TheDoubleCommaClub.com and subscribe.